Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Earrings Off. We want to invite you to subscribe, rate, and leave us a review. You can find us on Facebook at Earrings Off Podcast and on Instagram at The Earrings Off Podcast. Welcome to Earrings Off. I'm Lou. And I'm Teresa. Let's get started. Hey, Lou. Hello. Today, girl, we're talking about American Heart Month. Yeah, it's February. Always an important time. Yeah. 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 You know, if I were in the office, if I were in the office, I I would be wearing red this month along with my red dress pin. Oh, yeah. Um, to, yeah. you know, highlight the fact that it's it's heart month. It's an important month for us as African-Americans. And I'm, I'm thankful for it, you know, yeah. to bring the, the spotlight on to um, the significance of why we need to pay close attention. Oh, yeah. To well, our heart health. Well, absolutely. Um, it's also an important topic for me personally. My mom died from um, congestive heart failure. So um, I watched her try to manage, um, you know, heart disease for for years mm-hmm. and uh, eventually succumb mm-hmm. to it. So um, I'm excited about today's discussion as we try to educate and, and shed some light on this disease. You know, I, I lost an aunt to congestive heart failure and I have another aunt who's dealing with it now, but um, the difference is, you know, the technology, the aunt that I lost many, many years ago, um, at the time she was going through it, um, the technology that my aunt that's dealing with it now wasn't available. Mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. um, you know, she has, um, what do you call that? A defibrillator, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. that keeps her heart going. Uh, internal. I mean, it's, it's, are on, you talking about, body. You mean, I don't know I, do you mean like a pacemaker and not a defibrillator? The defibrillator. girl, did I, did I, did I just say defibrillator? Yeah. It, I think you mean, you a know pacemaker. what? It's a pa- it, it is a pacemaker, but it acts as a defibrillator oh, because okay. it doesn't, it, 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 this is what my cousin told me anyway. It, stimulates her heart mm-hmm. when it gets below right. a, a certain number of beats. So okay. it's, it's a stimulator okay. of sense sort. Okay. Let me get out of that lane. Cause I'm not a doctor. I hear you. I hear you. I hear <laughs> but you. She has this, she has this device that's keeping her alive and, and yeah. you know, well, you're right. We're not doctors or medical professionals, but uh, we do know that the leading cause of death for women in the U S is heart disease. So, that's an yeah, so let me hat. let me let me share some statistic statistics around that. Okay. okay. Yeah. Um, cardiovascular. We're going to specifically talk about African American women for a minute. Cardiovascular disease kills nearly fifty thousand African American women annually. Did you know that? No, I knew the number was high. That that's a lot. Yeah. And of African-American women ages 20 and older, 49% Lou, have mm. heart disease. That's half almost. Right. Yeah, yeah. That's staggering. Yeah, 
Yeah, it is. But here's the other interesting fact that I'm hoping that today's conversation will at least inform others about. Only one in five of African-American women believe she's personally at risk. So we're not even aware that this is is a thing for us. And over half of us suffer from it. Well, you're right. And uh, we need to make sure that we're on guard because our symptoms of heart disease, they look different than symptoms in men. And so sometimes it it can be often overlooked. So we want to make sure that, um, you know, in our discussion today, that we help educate folks and educate ourselves about what to look for um, relative to heart disease. Yeah, thank you for that segue. So today we're going to be talking to Sean and Kim. Sean and Kim are unique in that they are twins. They are they are nurses mm-hmm. and they were diagnosed with heart failure at the age of 40. So I'm looking forward to hearing their story and them sharing some facts with us about heart disease and how it looks. Uh, for women versus men. They are nurses, Sean, an advanced diabetes clinical specialist, and Kim, Kimberly, a nurse practitioner. So enough for me about about that, about them. Let's let's get into the discussion. Today we have some fascinating guests, uh, Sean and Kim, who are twin sisters and nurses, as well as they were both diagnosed with heart heart failure at the age of 40. Welcome, ladies. Thank you. Thank you for having us. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So we're going to, I don't want to waste any time. I'm so excited about today's conversation. We're just going to jump right into the questions. Um, Would you ladies talk about the prevalence of heart disease in African-Americans. How much of a problem is it really in our community? It is a huge problem. It's a huge problem. Um, What many people, particularly women, fail to realize is that heart disease is the number one killer of women. It's Mm. not cancers. It's not anything else. It's heart disease. And the problem is, is that Black women in particular are disproportionately affected by heart disease. And there are many reasons for that. Mm. Um, One of the reasons that I like to hearken on a lot is the fact that Black women have a tendency to be um, be the backbone of our communities. You know, we're designed and we're just built to take care of everyone else. Mm-hmm. So a lot of times the small symptoms that we may be having that may be telling us that something is wrong, we have a tendency to ignore it because we got to make sure the kids are off the school. We got to do the cooking and we got to right. go to work and we're in right. school and we have our careers. So um, that's one of the that's one of the things that disturbs us the most. And of course, there are a lot of other things as, as to why it's so prevalent in our communities, um, disparities in care and things like that as well. So, Kim and Sean, can you share a bit about your story as it relates to today's topic? Because 
Teresa phrased it well when she said, you know, we are stoked because you have an amazing story. And we would just like for you to share a bit about, you know, your diagnosis. And we want you to talk about your traveling production, Six Sisters at Heart, and about your and about your role as volunteer ambassadors for the American Heart Association's Rise Above Heart Failure campaign. So we are all ears. Tell us about you know, your journey, please. Well, um, I was diagnosed with heart failure at the age of 40. Um, Healthy, Mm -hmm. didn't have anything else going on, no diabetes, no heart disease, nothing. I was nothing. Not a thing, you know, went to the gym. I was an ER nurse at the time working 12 hour shifts. I was, you know, thinking about going back to school. So, you know, I didn't think anything was wrong, but again, as I mentioned earlier, busy. Right. Right. So busy, not not paying attention. Even nurses, we're horrible patients, by the way. <laughs> we generally don't take good care of ourselves sometimes. <laughs> um, but I, I was preparing to go to work one day and left something upstairs, went upstairs to get it. And I got acutely short of breath. And I remember getting to the top of the stairs thinking, well, that's weird. I mean, acutely short of breath to the point where I had to lean on the banister for support. Right. And it was just. Wow. Right. So I said, well. That's weird. Huh. Well, guess I got to go to work. Got to pull this 12 hour shift, brushed it off, went to work. That's how we do. And mm-hmm. went to work, got acutely ill. I became the patient that day. They threw me on the stretcher. I got had palpitations, got really short of breath, thought I was going to pass out and became the patient that day. So, so they worked so, me up. So Kim, when you say, um, you had acute symptoms, meaning, like you said, you, for the sake of our listeners, you hadn't had any idea anything was going on. This was an episode that occurred that day. No warning, no nothing. You were working out, living your life, no precursor conditions, nothing to alert you that something was amiss. Right. Well, you know, hindsight is twenty twenty, though, mm-hmm. you know, and one of the things I realized after diagnosis is that I was so tired and fatigued, you know, and had a little bit of swelling in my legs. But, you know, sometimes if I eat a lot of shrimp and crab at the beach, you know, I was like, okay, maybe my legs swell. But the fatigue, I was working two jobs at the time and I was working 12 hour shifts and I was just busy. So the tiredness and fatigue was not unusual. And that's that's the thing. Right. 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 Yeah. Yeah. Went on to the doctor and saw the cardiologist and they ran a few tests and um, did an echocardiogram, did a stress test and I failed them and wow. they didn't look good. And they told me on that particular day, they said, well, we, we know why you feel so bad. You got heart failure. I said, wow. what? Wow. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Wow. It, it was, it was, a, it was an incredible day. It was an incredible day. Wow. And um, the thing is, is that um, I was going to say that the thing is, is that uh, since we didn't have any issues, we knew it might be genetic. So that's kind of where my sister's story picks up. Yeah, that's that's what I was going to ask about it. And Sean, can you share a bit about what happened with you, your diagnosis? So after um, after my sister was diagnosed, you know, the initial part of that was, you know, to support you know, my sister, you know, right. that's, that's kind of tough. You know, being a nurse, we know what a heart failure patient to us looks like. You know, they really don't look like us. You know, right. they're not in their 40s. You no. know, they're not usually women that young. 
right. know, and they usually have a lot of comorbidities. You know, they usually right. have uncontrolled high blood pressure, you know, uncontrolled diabetes or something. We had, she had none of that. You well, know, so. and, and, and I just want to say, because you know, this is all audio and it's unfortunate we don't have the video because you both are beautiful and you look vibrant and healthy. And, and oh, so the I picture I, of yeah, health. I, yeah, exactly. That That's the phrase, the picture of health. Yeah. So when they, um, so when she went through her initial shock of the diagnosis and we sort of, you know, got together, kind of settled down and, you know, she said, well, maybe you should go, you know, and just get checked out, you know, because, you know, we both worked really hard. We both worked at the same facility yeah. and, you know, hustled to do our thing. And I said, well, you know, I'll just go just to sort of alleviate your fears about stuff. Yeah. You know, so I made an appointment with my doctor and then they said, well, it's probably nothing, you know, but we'll just run the test just to be sure. So then they referred me to the same cardiology office that my sister went to different providers, but we went mm -hmm. to the same cardiology mm -hmm. office and I got the stress test, failed the stress test. So then right. I went wow. and they did the echo the same day. And then the, the tech left out the room, just like what they did with my sister to go get the doctor. And they never do that. Yeah. And they came back into the room and said, well, we know what's wrong with you, Ms. Rivers. I'm like, oh, here we go. You know, you have heart failure. And if it wasn't so strange, I think I would have laughed at the moment. Right. So, but you right. know, um, when you have a, a good functioning heart, there's something called your ejection fraction, which is you know, the, the amount of blood that clears your heart, you know, with the beats, it's supposed, it should be around 60. I think Kim's, were, her ejection fraction was 20%, I think. So that's how well her heart was not functioning at the time. And then mine was about 30 wow. at, at the time of our diagnosis. So they were really wow. trying to figure out how we were even functioning at all when we were wow. diagnosed. Wow. And, and you know, wow. when, when you talk about the fatigue, that was the first thing. My mom um, had heart disease and um, actually passed from congest congestive heart failure. And years ago, the first sign we had, she went with her sisters on a trip. And actually, our um, her nephew, my first cousin, had driven his mom and her sisters to Tennessee, you know, to spend the weekend. And they were all excited. And when he got back, he called us, you know, you know, to say your mom, when we would just take a few steps, she had to sit down mm -hmm. and, and we'd never seen anything. And he said, I just want to let you know, you know, she, everywhere we went, <clears throat> we had to find somewhere for her to sit. And we, my siblings and I, we started calling each other saying, did you hear what he said about mom? And what was that about? And that's when we started trying to figure out what was going on and taking her to the doctor and got the diagnosis of heart disease. So, yeah. 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 That, that it is a very common symptom of heart failure. And, but like I said, in it's often overlooked, you know, because again, if you're busy, you know, and you, you've got all this other stuff going on, right. you don't pay it any mind, especially if that's the only symptom that you have. So yeah, yeah. It's, it's pretty common. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. I would imagine, though, um, Kim and Sean, and if you would speak to this, if it's if it's if it's an indication is that, you know, you started out by talking about the fact that you were both uh, in the in the in the gym, you know, taking care of yourselves uh, when this happened. I wonder how much that helped you in continuing on with your day to day.
um, and the fact that you were at 20 and 30% of what your heart should be functioning, how your heart should be functioning and did not collapse prior to when it finally caught up to you. So I wonder, were you, does it play, is that, was that helpful? The fact that you were, you were exercising a bit? Yeah, I know um, our providers told us that uh, we compensated very well, mm. you know, with an EF of 20 mm-hmm. and 30% for someone who may not have been in a healthier state right. and may have had some of the other comorbidities. They may not have fared well statistically, right. um, you know, someone who's diagnosed um, with heart failure with the numbers that we have um, perish within the first five years of diagnosis, wow. yeah. you know, so um, wow. with the numbers that we have, we're not even supposed to be here, wow. you know, but you know, that's God all wow. day. You oh know, yeah. Book, oh yeah. Yeah. You know, yes. don't get, don't oh. get me preaching. Yeah, I hear you. <laughs> hey, well, you know, you know but, what? You, but, you know, you're in the you right know, place. For it. Statistically, you <laughs> yeah. know, we're not supposed to be here, but yeah. you know, because right. we were in pretty good physical health, yeah. you know, we, you know, we took pretty good care of ourselves. You know, we, we compensated pretty well to mm. get through that, those first five years. Wow. So um, tell us a little bit about the, your traveling production, Sisters at Heart. Love that title. Love that. It was, um, it's, it's pretty amazing how that all came about. And Sean can speak a lot more to it as well. But uh, my sister and I own a diabetes clinic in Petersburg. Um, okay. When we decided to go back to school, get our advanced degrees, nurse practitioner, ClinSpec. Mm-hmm. So we run a diabetes center and we were connected with a gentleman through our church. You know, we're in charge of the nursing ministry at mm-hmm. a large mega church here mm-hmm. in uh, Richmond. Mm-hmm. And the, D. Davis Productions is the production company that came to our church to put on a play around prostate cancer. Mm-hmm. Um, he does a lot of work. Um, he does almost like Tyler Perry style plays, okay. mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but around educating communities um, mm-hmm. on health disparities and health things. So the play that he brought to our church was on prostate cancer, but mm-hmm. he also had a play around diabetes. Mm-hmm. So we were introduced and because of our professional background, um, we connected in hopes that we might connect with him and help him with the diabetes project, come on as consultants and things like that. But he didn't know our heart story. So he Googled us and Sean will tell you, I don't think we've ever been Googled before, but <laughs> been Googled. I, I Googled you guys. <laughs> I know well, all about and, you. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> and he Googled us and he found out about all of our, our story about heart failure and our journey and our work with American Heart and on the national level with American Heart. And we didn't know that he was in the process of producing a play around heart disease but he tabled it because he didn't have a story. Oh, and, wow. and it, it's crazy how God yeah, will do stuff. You yeah. know, God will, mm-hmm. God will use pain for his purpose. I believe oh, yeah. that. So oh, I do too. I yeah. do too. Mm-hmm. There's no doubt we survived for something. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. so wow. Sean can really speak. And, you know, we've been traveling with the play, but that was pre COVID for sure. Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 So, so pre COVID. Um, so, picking up where she left off, um, he actually, we actually met in our office. And once he found out about our heart story, he wrote a play based around our heart story. 
of course, and it's called, you know, Sisters at Heart. And it's it's a huge stage production, like she said, like the Tyler Perry stage what? production with really good professional actors and actresses that are really good singers. It's got the music, it's got the dance. And, you know, anyone who really knows us know we love New Edition. So, you know, they had to throw that in there. <laughs> Those are news. Uh, but it's a really good production and it's got the education components in there. It's, it's got the laughter, the comedy, but of course it's got the seriousness in there and it sort of really um, um, gets the dialogue going about our journey from the beginning of our diagnosis and how we had to um, cope with our families with the diagnosis and that type of thing. And it also gives the statistical data. And even as we tour, when we go into the different cities um, prior to the production, so for instance, we'll tag it with, with like a health fair. So we'll go in um, prior to a health event and they'll um, be able to do um, um, statistical data gathering at the plays. Okay. So, right. so they'll be able to do like a, a before and after um, sort of informational gathering to find mm -hmm. out what the audience actually has learned during mm -hmm. the course of watching the play. You know, okay. a lot of the people that come to the plays, you know, they don't go to the scientific session. That's you know, right. For, right. You know, these big you know, pharmaceutical companies, they go to the churches and they go see the Tyler Perry plays. But right. those are the ones that are perishing from heart disease. Right. Well, those right. are the people that we're trying to reach. Okay. So it's, it's it's very effective. Okay. Okay. Well, this is that that's amazing. But I my next question is, um, I have to ask this: Did you get a walk on part? Anything? I mean, are you in the play at all? Your sales? I mean, anything? <laughs> <laughs> tried to put us in there. We really tried hard to stay on the, on the in the back with that. But as people get to know us, they know we're a little on the crazy side too. So we really kind of get into that sort of thing. <laughs> Have a few walk-ons. And one of the things that they that I like about the play is that intermission, depending on the city we go into, we tap into local cardiologists and have them come in and be a part of a panel discussion during intermission. And we talk about what was viewed and what happened in that first session. And we answer some audience mm -hmm. questions and things like that. And then we move into the second part of the play. So right. it's, it's edutainment, as, as my sister says, and that's what we label it. So we're entertaining, but we're trying to save the village because we're dying. I, I was about to say, oh, yeah. uh, I am telling you, uh, when Teresa and I launched Earrings Off, that was our goal to use this as a vehicle to try to educate and do our part in the community mm -hmm. and what you just described, that is amazing because many times people are intimidated in different environments and, and they may not seek information, but what you've done is you've assessed, okay, what, where can I get this information to people that need it so that the people won't perish? However, that needs to happen. And so I, we applaud you in doing that. Um, Thank you so much for caring enough, for caring enough to get oh, out absolutely. there and see what you could bring to try to um, address this very important um, issue. So, so as your as your uh, role in the American Heart Association, what about the Rise Above Heart Failure campaign? Well, when we first were diagnosed with um, with heart failure, um, you know we. Um, maybe a few years in, you know, we really started getting involved with the 
with the rise above heart failure, we were actually um, tapped by the American Heart Association to sort of get involved. We were actually, we actually started to get involved through our church mm-hmm. doing some work mm-hmm. um, with the American Heart Association, doing the education with the blood pressure screenings and things like that. But with their with this new um, endeavor with the rise above heart failure, they really wanted to um, um, do some new work as far as educating folks on um, educating the community on what heart failure was, um, the signs and symptoms of heart failure, the treatments of heart failure, and educating our community on what heart failure looks like, especially mm-hmm. women mm-hmm. and those of African-American mm-hmm. descent. Right, um, right, right. And, and young people with heart failure, because there are a lot of people with heart failure who are actually between the ages of 40 and 60. What? You know, they all are right. above 60. Right. You know, getting overlooked. Right. Mm. So that, that's really where we really started getting involved with the Rise Above Heart Failure campaign. Can we talk a little bit about the um, talk a little bit about the factors that that impact heart health, like high blood pressure, high cholesterol, family history, you know, age, gender, weight, stress, all of those things. Of course, the things that we can control in our community, we talk about diet. We talk about smoking. If you smoke, you need to quit. Mm-hmm. Obesity is epidemic in our community. Mm-hmm. So diet is very, very important. You know, the low fat diet is very important. So those are just a few things. There are some things that we can't control, but you need to be aware of. You need to be aware of your family history. Heredity is something that you can't do anything about, but you need to be aware of what your family history is. You can't control the skin that you're in, but you need to be aware of if your family, if your father had heart disease, if your grandparents had heart disease, mm-hmm. um, you know, those type of factors that we can control, well, that you at least need to be aware of. Mm-hmm. So those, those are just a few mm-hmm. things that we need to be on the lookout for. If you have high cholesterol, you know, mm-hmm. if you have hypertension, control your diabetes. Those are a few things mm-hmm. that play a part in in heart disease. Okay. Okay. So what, what are some symptoms of heart disease that you might be having a heart episode? What should we be looking uh, for? Because I know I've read somewhere that sometimes, particularly in women, that the symptoms can be overlooked because ours may look different from men. And, you know, we're sort of just dismissed like, no, you're okay. And release. Told, you know, told by medical professionals to go on back home, you're okay. So what, what should we be looking for? One of the things that I really stress with my patients when I'm instructing them, first of all, is to know your body well. You know you better than anybody else on this planet. That is and, a great point. And what I tell them is, uh, this is what you do. Make a mental picture of what your good day feels like mm-hmm. and store it. So if your good day means there's no chest pain. There's no shortness of breath. I'm not dizzy. I'm not having palpitations. I can do my regular day-to-day activities without any problem and store what that day looks like. And then when a different day comes along, you have something to compare it with. You have a baseline. The thing is that we stress though, is to make sure you don't ignore it. If you put the information in storage and your computer is telling you something's different, you then have to act on what what you're seeing and not ignore it. So that's the first thing. We have to be able to acknowledge 
our own bodies and what our bodies are feeling like. That mm-hmm. said, heart disease is a huge, like a crock pot of, of stew. There's mm-hmm. a lot of things included within that, in that stew, right? So there are, for example, cardiovascular diseases, and there are also um, diseases that affect the electrical circuits of the heart. They're different. So cerebral, uh, and there's also stroke, there's cerebrovascular disease as well. They all affect um, Mm. the vasculature of your body. So generally when people ask me about signs and symptoms, we're talking about heart attack, right? But Mm -hmm. that's not the only, that's not the thing. That's coronary artery disease. So that's only one part of heart disease. Okay. So for a heart, heart attack, we're looking for chest pain is always the major symptom. However, with that said, and just to your point, women a lot of times don't get the symptoms that everybody else does. You know, you see these commercials on TV with the guy, usually a Caucasian guy grabbing his chest. I'm having chest pain. Women sometimes don't present that way at all. Okay. So the one symptom is chest pain. There may be shortness of breath. There may be nausea, vomiting. There may be sweating diffusely for no reason. There may be dizziness. You can have jaw pain, arm pain, back pain, stomach pain, or any combination of those and still be having a big fat heart attack. Some people who who have diabetes Mm -hmm. don't have chest pain at all because diabetes can cause something called neuropathy. And neuropathy, we generally think of tingling in the hands, numbness. But you got to think if diabetes affects those nerves, wouldn't you think that it affects the nerves that touch your heart too? Mm -hmm. There are nerves that touch your heart. And if they're damaged, they don't work. And if they don't work, they can't tell you it hurts. So you have silent heart attack. Okay. And and, um, I I have to tell you, I appreciate the way that you break this down in layman's um, terms for us to understand the part that you said about know your body. You know, mm-hmm. just pay attention to how you normally feel because you know when something is off and, right. you know, something is not quite right. It's not complicated that, you know, okay, what is that? That's different. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Yep. I, the other piece to that too, that I want to speak on that we're really passionate about is that even once you figure that part of it out, there is still an issue of getting the right person to hear you. Mm-hmm. So, and particularly with, with African-Americans, yeah. yeah. especially with women, because yeah. there yeah. are some, I'm afraid to say, and I'm a provider too, but I'm afraid to say that some providers say, oh, it may just be anxiety. Mm-hmm. Go home, relieve your stress and it's fine. Well, she's having a heart attack and we've just ignored those symptoms with her. What I tell my patients is, 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 is Sean will speak to that too. We need to be the CEO of our health care. Right. We're in charge. You know, we're at the center of our healthcare universe. Yeah. It's like running a big Fortune 500 company. But in order to run it effectively, you got to know what's going on and right. you dictate the care and you decide what's going to happen. And if an employee is not listening to you or doing what their job description says they should do, you fire them and you find someone who will. Because at the end of the day, the business has to survive. Your body must survive. And your body is counting on us to get this right. So we got to keep yelling at the rooftops. I'm not right. This is not right. No, I'm not a professional. 
but I know my body, something's wrong. And if they're not listening, you find somebody who will. Real passionate <laughs> about that because it's killing us. Yeah. A lot of times women will present and they'll say, you know, they'll come to the ER and they'll just, and, and I teach that they'll come in with something called ADR and it's kind of my slang term. Mm-hmm. They'll come in presenting with something called ADR mm-hmm. and, and, and the, and the patients in the class say, what the heck is that? Mm-hmm. Ain't doing right. ADR. <laughs> and ain't doing right. Uh-huh. Because they'll come I in with love these it. Vague, I love it. Because they come in with these vague symptoms. I just have a little indigestion, but I think I'm going to take a whole bottle of Tums mm-hmm. and it might go away. If they have to swallow a whole bottle of Tums and they still have chest pain, honey, it's not gas. You need to right. go to the ER. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's what I tell them. Right. And you stay there until someone listens to you. Okay. Mm-hmm. That that is amazing. So we talk a lot about uh, self advocacy and patient care, the disparities there. Mm-hmm. So thank you so much, Kim, for for sharing that, and especially the way you broke it down about being the CEO mm-hmm. and actually going through and firing somebody who's not yeah. listening. Mm-hmm. We have to do that, and we have to not be afraid and own that. Right. Right. So with that, um. Yeah. Would you talk just a little bit about, in keeping with that theme, talk a little bit about if if a person comes in with all the symptoms that we've talked about, and that individual is the person providing the health care is not listening. What specifically, you know, in order to get that doctor to listen to them, what should they say? You know, we don't want them to go in and 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 start. What what? How can they help the doctors help them? Yeah, you go ahead. It's, it's keep a log. It's keep mm-hmm. a log. You know, if if they start having symptoms, keep a journal or mm-hmm. keep a log of their yeah. symptoms. Yeah. Especially if it's, it's it's something that's recurrent. You mm-hmm. know, when did you notice your pain? How long did it last? What that's were true. you doing when the pain started? Were you active? What does anything make the pain stop? You know, can you? Um, how long does it last? Those type of things and present that to your provider. And after you presented all your information and they still don't listen to you, that's grounds for firing. Mm -hmm. Find someone that will because you presented your data. Mm -hmm. That's good. Yeah. Okay. So as, as a follow-up, as a follow-up to that, what should that physician be doing to access this event? The question, specific question is, how does a physician access the severity of a patient's heart problem? There are a lot of things that we can do as providers. The, the, probably the most important thing that we can do initially is listen. And not just not just listen to get data, but really understand what the patient is telling you and to be able to engage in a good communication where you can ask the appropriate questions as well. So once we get that information, there are a lot of tests that we can do based on what they're telling us. For example, um, EKGs are done routinely all the time. And EKGs basically are um, stickers we put on the chest. They're hooked up to a machine and it's designed to assess the electrical circuitry of the heart. It can pretty much tell us right away if there's something acute going on, like a heart attack. Um, Further down the line, in my case in particular, if we're considering heart failure for a patient, there are echocardiograms that we can order, which is an ultrasound of the heart. Um, which tells us a couple of things. It helps us to determine um, output, cardiac output of the heart, how much blood is coming out of the heart with every beat, as well as um, how how the heart is structurally, how the one-way doors or the valves look. 
you know, and some other structures of the heart. Um, stress test is something that's also very common. Uh, they hook you up to an EKG and they get you to walk on this treadmill for a few minutes and they determine your exercise tolerance by doing that. They're looking to see if you're short of breath with exercise. They're also looking to see if there are any ischemic changes to your heart as well. So there are a multitude of tests that we can do, but it, we, we the tests are only as good as the information that the mm -hmm. patient gives, gives us because we order the test based on what the symptoms are and what the patient experience is. Mm -hmm. So if the patient information is not good, we're not going to order appropriately. We're mm -hmm. pretty much shooting in the dark. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. You know, Teresa and I aren't medical professionals, but when you referenced earlier that heart disease is like a crock pot. So I know there are many different components to that, but then what I'm hoping to help listeners understand is if they have heart disease, what can they expect in terms of treatment options? What, how does that look? Um, can you provide just a bit of general information about what they might be able to expect? I know it covers a wide spectrum, but at the beginning, what, what kind of options are they going to be presented with? Well, initially after testing, um, and once we actually have a diagnosis, right, because mm -hmm. in, in order for us to treat, we got to know what we're treating. Right. So there are um, all kinds of medicines for all different types of treatments. There are medications for hypertension. Okay. Of course, so hypertension is a cardiovascular disease, right? right? Mm -hmm. Affects blood vessels. Um, there are medications that we can use to control heart failure. Heart failure is one of those things that one of the symptoms is we get um, swelling. You know, mm -hmm. we have increased fluid on board. So there's a group of drugs called diuretics that are generally prescribed that help pull the fluid off. And in order to pull it off, we urinate. That's what makes the med. That's how the medication works. Mm -hmm. There are medications that help the pump to help the pump work stronger, mm -hmm. to help the efficiency of the pump. Um, there are medications that are used to decrease the workload of the heart to slow the heart rate down. Um, that's your beta blockers, mm -hmm. which is a category typically prescribed. Um, if it is a, um, a disease of the electrical circuit, meaning the electrical circuit of the heart has misfired, like atrial fibrillation, for mm -hmm. example, is very common. And in atrial fibrillation, basically the top two chambers of the heart fibrillate or shake mm -hmm. versus that can cause a lot of different things, including stroke, because you increase your risk of clots with atrial fibrillation. So the treatment for that would be either to get you out of it, you know, and we can get you out of that by an invasive procedure called an ablation, for, mm -hmm. an, for example. And an ablation is basically we map out the electrical circuitry of the heart and find out which circuit is misfiring and mm -hmm. we zap it. Basically, we zap what part is misfiring in the hopes that the heart will restore normal function. Um, blood thinners are also given in that case. So there are a lot of different uh, modalities that we use to treat. Um, mm -hmm. But exercise and good nutrition and stress relief and self-care are probably some of the most important things that we educate patients on as well, in addition to medicinal and um, uh, invasive procedures. Okay. Great, great. Thank you. Yeah. Good information. Let's talk about the nutrition piece for a little bit. Are there foods um, we should incorporate in our diets to make heart disease less likely? Absolutely. And I, 
Kim and I talk about this all the time because you know, with our journey with um with heart failure, I think this was probably the hardest thing or the hardest change that we had to incorporate really? in our lifestyle. It was probably one of the hardest. You know, I told you know, I was I was the queen of the slim gym. <laughs> you know, you know, during my whole nursing career, mm-hmm. you know, because it was a quick food, but it mm-hmm. was loaded with salt, you know, so yeah. we had to make some changes to a healthier lifestyle. So, you know, some of the better things um, to incorporate in your um, in your diet, of course, is your your whole grain foods, your your higher fiber foods are one thing, your your fatty fish the ones that are higher in your omega-3 mm-hmm. are better. You know, your, your salmon, for instance, are, are better to incorporate. Your foods that are lower in um, your, your, um, your sugar, the refined sugars, you need to try to cut out. If you're a soda drinker, you need to let them go. Mm. You know, anything, that the sodas and those real um, sugary drinks, because anything that's gonna increase your risk for hypertension, for diabetes, those are the things that are going to increase your risk also for cardiac disease. So those are the things that you need to let go and switch over. So your high fiber foods, your low fat foods, your foods that are higher in and lower the salt okay. out of your diet. Mm-hmm. We only need 1500 milligrams of salt per day. And yeah. that's not a lot of salt. That's not, that's it's not. not a lot of salt. Yeah. And I always sort of use this example of are you, and it's so bad. Those, those kind of oodle noodle things. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people don't realize how much salt is in these things. Yeah. You know, so I sort of use that as my example. And they don't realize that that's like two servings, that you're mm-hmm. supposed to split that and only eat half of it. Mm-hmm. But we don't read our nutrition label. So we really go in with that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. But those are just so if you were that, if, if, if someone eats oodles and noodles, right? You said that it's two servings. I had, I had no idea. Because it's just a small little packet of noodles, right? right, right. So if you eat that, how much salt are you taking in? I'm glad you asked. Are you taking mm-hmm. in your whole week? Yeah. So, yeah. so and, and it yeah. varies just a little bit depending on the brand. But um, if you look on the back of the packet, it says, you know, when you look at the nutrition label, it says serving size two. Mm-hmm. So you're supposed to split that little brick and split that little um, seasoning packet <laughs> and only eat half in a serving. So in half of the serving, it's on, it's about 950 milligrams of salt in half of it. Oh my. So if you eat the whole thing, oh my you've consumed more than your daily intake of sodium in a pack From of noodles and noodles. Oh and then goodness. we're feeding it to our kids and they're adding cheese and hot sauce. Oh, I'm going to add more salt to this thing. So we're eating thousands of milligrams of salt. And then we wonder why we can't get our rings off. We can't get our cute shoes on. And all of this because we were overloaded oh my with salt. Yeah. So, but we don't realize it's not what we're do putting you know, in the food. It's what's sh- already there. Do you know? And I'm sure you do. That college students live off the exactly. They do exactly. And we've done a lot of talks wow. on college campuses about the oodles and noodles, and their eyes get big as saucers because they have no idea. Right. Right. And right. we actually did a talk at one of the, the local colleges. And because the talk we did, they actually, because they were actually buying them and purchasing them in bulk because they mm-hmm. were cheaper to get yeah. the students. And they actually pulled them after our talk yeah. to get yeah. something else for the students. Oh, because wow. we don't realize what we're doing. Yeah. We, we just don't realize right. it. Right, right, mm-hmm. right. Mm-hmm. Wow. 
So, uh, you, and your healthy, your leafy vegetables and things are also things that you need to add to your diet. Well, this, this has been such, um, such great information. We want to end by asking both of you, what advice can you offer women to encourage them to take better steps to keep their heart healthy? What can we do to do a better job? Just a quick couple bullet points. Know your bodies. Pay attention. Don't take no for an answer if you know something is wrong. It rest. Self-care is not a bad word. That's right. We, we like to be servants and we like to take care. But learn to say the probably the hardest word for me to ever say in the language is no. We don't say no enough because we and then because we feel guilty. You know, right, we're supposed right. to be taking care of the world. Especially as black women. Yeah. It's, it's like oh, in our God. DNA. We got to mm -hmm. get past that. So th those are my bullet points. We got to take better care. Our village is counting on us to be okay. And in order for the village to survive and thrive, the women of the village must survive and thrive. And we, we've got to take better care and turn the mirror on self. Yeah, great. And just to sort of piggyback off of what she said, usually at the end of my classes, I always sort of give them this little bit of homework to do. Every day, take 15 minutes to do something that you enjoy. And it has to be something completely separate from your job, away from your children, away from your significant other. You have to step away for 15 minutes. And I tell them, even if it's going to go to the bathroom and close the door, even if you're not doing anything in there, because nobody's going to bother you in the bathroom. Just go in there and shut the door. Time yourself for 15 minutes and just bring it down for 15 minutes. In 24 hours, you are worth 15 minutes and make that a habit. You're worth 15 minutes and do that. You have to do it. Well, thank, thank you that's both. That's one of those. I was just going to say that's one of those drop, drop the mic comments. I love yeah. it. Yeah, absolutely. Well, um, Sean and, and Kim, thank you so, so much for, for joining us. Um, excellent information. Um, again, we applaud you on caring enough to share your story, to turn what could have been a negative into such a positive, to care for others, to improve lives. Um, we don't take it lightly what you're doing. And um, we pray that you will continue to be blessed because we certainly certainly are so thankful for your care and your efforts. So um, that's all we have um, here today at Earrings Off. Both of you, please take good care. Thank you so much for having us. We appreciate it. Thank you for having us and you all take good care as well. Take care. Right, Thank you. Take care. All right. Bye-bye. Thanks for joining us and have a wonderful day.